This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. In this special episode, I'll be talking to Chris Windsor from the five-year plan fanzine. He's on to give us the opposition view on the opening match for Fulham against Crystal Palace. We have much to discuss, but before I go on any further, I have to welcome my guest to the show. Chris, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Well, listen, I look forward to talking to you about Crystal Palace. I, I had the pleasure yesterday to talk to Rob Warlow from London, So I got more of the media perspective on Crystal Palace and Fulham, but this time I get the fan view of this match. So I look forward to getting your view. So let's start off here. As I asked Rob, I'll ask you the same thing. Just give me an overall view of last season with Crystal Palace leading up to this upcoming season. Let's talk about, I asked him a little bit about the difference when uh, Roy Hodgson came in. So feel free to talk about that, how difficult the season was, but how it all changed around and uh, when Roy Hodgson came in. Yeah, I mean, it, it started last year with obviously Frank De Boer, um, and a new style of football. And I think he tried to adopt the 3-4-3, 3-5-2 method that saw Chelsea win the league and you saw a lot of teams try and go that way. Uh, but without really any signings to kind of influence that. Um, by all accounts, the training methods weren't great. Uh, and and for everyone, it was just a bad appointment. Uh, and um, I think everyone's aware of how bad our start was. Seven games, seven defeats, uh, no goals scored. Uh, and three of those were under Hodgson. And um, I think a lot of Palace fans gave him the benefit of the doubt. Um, he's a local lad. Um, 
we heard a lot from Fulham fans, from West Brom fans about um, his methods, uh, how he was managing almost like the underdogs, the smaller teams and how right. he's thrived. Uh, and then the next game after an international break, beating Chelsea at home, scoring, you know, first goals of the season, getting our first win to beat the champions at home at the time was was, was fantastic. And ever since then, uh, the, the fans have adored him. Um, he came in, never really kind of influ- tried to influence the media to try and get his own agenda. He was very straight, uh, very open with the fans, didn't try and get our expectations up. You know, he was very aware of the situation. Uh, and kind of going into this season, it, it's been nice to have a pre-season with a settled manager. Uh, we haven't really lost many players. Uh, we've made a couple of good acquisitions later on in the window. So it's been a very settled pre-season. Uh, and, and the worry is that actually we're looking at this season quite optimistically, which is a worry for Palace fans. Well, let me ask you this. That, that, that's a great transition to talk about Roy Hodgson because he's beloved by Fulham fans and will always be. And it sounds like he has won over you and, and other Crystal Palace supporters, obviously, with the results. But let's talk about the relationship between Roy Hodgson and Crystal Palace, because in some places it's worked really well. I, I said this to Rob Warlow as well. Worked great at Fulham, worked great at West Brom. It didn't work at Liverpool, but it seems to be working at Crystal Palace. So let's talk about how Roy is seen by the Crystal Palace supporters. Uh, I mean, the, the beauty for Roy is, in his opening interview, he admitted as a boy that his dad used to take him down the Homestyle Road and he used to stand on the terraces, you know, supporting Crystal Palace. So he understands the identity of the club. Um, right. You know, like you've mentioned, he, he's got experience managing smaller squads with the likes of Fulham and West Brom, where actually he's managed to... You haven't got big egos. I mean, I understand that Liverpool and, and, and England, a lot of those players are, are probably viewed bigger than than, than he is. Um, but he kept the squad harmony. Um, he didn't let any heads drop, you know, despite the kind of, you know, poor situation we, we found ourselves in. And um, it's just his honesty in the media. Uh, I mean, we obviously had Alan Pardew for a couple of years and um, some of the things he said in the media, he'd deflect attention away from from what he did. Um, he, he'd questioned some of the owners and some of the investors' decisions, whereas Hodgson's very black and white. He, you know, yep. he appreciated how many points we needed. Um, you know, he was still saying we're not mathematically safe. Therefore, my next goal is to win the next game. Um, and he spoke like a fan because you know you saw when we got last-minute equalisers against the likes of West Ham, last-minute winners at Stoke at home. He was jumping around, throwing his arms up just as much as the twenty-six thousand in Selas were doing as well. Um, and you watch those clips back on Match of the Day or whatever highlight program you're using, and you can you can see the fan in him. Uh, and that's what's made him so endearing to all the Palace fans. That's great. And um, what's interesting about Roy, and I'll be curious your thoughts on this, is that um, Roy Hodgson's style, at least with Fulham, this is the way it tended to be. At home, they could play very good football at home. On the road, find a way to ground out a point. Really didn't win that many matches on the road, but would make it difficult for them to get beat. So I'm curious, his philosophy, has it changed at Crystal Palace? You have a lot of attacking players. So is he a little bit different with, say, Crystal Palace than he was at Fulham, where made Craven Cottage a fortress? But on the road, it was really very difficult at times because they were just trying to beat you on the counter and hope 
to get a point, maybe, maybe get all three points, but it was very defensive on the road. What has his approach been at Crystal Palace? Um, he's definitely made Sellers Park a fortress. Uh, so you kind of looking back over the past two managers, Pardew and Allardyce, you would you could always guarantee a surprise victory. You know, the beating the likes of Liverpool, Pardew did a double over them, home yep. and away. Allardyce beat Arsenal at home. But then the likes of teams of Burnley and Leicester, no, you know, no discredit to them, but um, even further back when under Pardew, had the likes of Hull and West Brom would come and play us off the park. Um, what the beauty of Roy is that, you know, barring losing to Southampton in his opening game for the rest of the season, we didn't lose to another team in the bottom half because he knew that he had to pick up points against them. So he made us difficult to beat. Um, he knew right. that he had a plethora of attacking players, the likes of Zaha, Townsend, that actually, if we were difficult to, to beat, they would create that special moment to then nick us a point or nick us a win, for example. Um, so I'd say it's similar, you know, compact, um, you know, pack the midfield with three solid midfield players, look to hit on the counter. Um, but actually, once that team has gelled uh, and got used to playing the way he's wanted, we've played some of the best football we have, especially at home, um, right. under Hodgson that we've probably played in the Premier League. Um, the Probably the style of football that Pardew was trying to look to play under us, we've managed to play under Hodgson just by you know, him going, right, as soon as we've lost the ball, work your hardest to get it back. Um, you know, solid banks of four. But as soon as you've got it, I want runners from midfield. I want, you know, to overlap and, you know, um, saturate one side to, to create a mismatch. Uh, and then, you know, that's how we were picking up points against the teams that were around us, which is what you've got to do as right. your you know, number one priority to stay up in this league. Absolutely. And uh, let me ask you this, because this was a hallmark of Hudson. And I, it sounds like it, it is with uh, Crystal Palace as well. You, you talked about the discipline. Basically, I, that's what I think you're going on this day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that the team played extremely disciplined football. This is the way I look at it, and see if you agree with me on on this, because Roy, to me, would make his team extremely difficult to beat, like you said, and teams beat themselves. His teams would take advantage of mistakes. Would that be a good way to, to put at it for, yeah, I mean, for, uh, for Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace? Is it the same? Exactly, exactly the same. You've got, uh, I mean, we're we're blessing the team that we're blessed with pace, even in the fullback areas, the wing positions, and you know, a couple of runners from midfield. You all they needed to do was, you know, try and break us down, try a two adventurous pass. We'd recover it in midfield, and then suddenly we've got two or three runners, and because they've overcommitted, because they've tried to break us down, you know, in an um, you know, a, a way that they hadn't really planned to. And suddenly you create that counter-attacking football. Uh, and it's, it was devastating the back end of last year. Um, I wouldn't say that I, I, Palace probably actually struggle when they are the favourites and have the ball and are expected to pass it around and break other teams because we kind of come un, unstuck in the same way. Right. That we try something too adventurous. We try to overcommit with full-backs playing you know, as left-wingers and then suddenly we're left isolated. That makes sense because it sounds like he wants you to play within yourself yeah. And as long as you do that, the goals will come and you'll be difficult to beat and then you'll take advantage of when the opportunity comes. And and that, to me, is uh, a good way to play. I mean, Fulham play an aggressive style. We'll talk about that in just a bit. That's different than the way they played on, under Hodson. It's really attack, attack, attack. 
So we'll see how this all works, see what Roy has uh, up his sleeve to play against Fulham. It should be an interesting matchup. But let me just ask you real quick, Chris, the summer so far, obviously the friendlies went very well. I'm beaten in the friendlies and the summer transfer window, no big names going out and, and some interesting buys. So what has been your view of uh, the summer transfer window and just the summer in general for Crystal Palace? Uh, so the summer's been very good, I think. Uh, one beauty is, so looking last year, uh, we played four preseason friendlies. Two of those were out in Hong Kong as part of the Asia League or whatever they were playing at the time against Liverpool and West Brom. We then came back to the UK and played two friendlies. Uh, and obviously that didn't give the ball much time. Uh, like I mentioned, Hodgson's been with this squad nearly a year now. Uh, we haven't lost many players. Unfortunately, Kabai went out, Loftus-Cheeks returned back to Chelsea, but there's still Palace fans dreaming that he'll come back on loan you know, before 5pm tomorrow. But actually, Hodgson's had a fairly settled squad. He knows, you know, I could probably tell you now, barring an injury or a slight <laughs> change of heart, what the starting eleven will be on sure, Saturday. Sure because they've played three or four games together. And um, I went to the game on Saturday against Toulouse. And the starting 11, what we expect, played, the majority of them played 80 minutes, looked wow. fit, were still chasing down balls. So going into the season now, they look a lot hungry, a lot fresher. Uh, and that was a massive kind of issue we had last year where Huddersfield at home, our first game, where, you know, realistically, you're expecting a team that stayed up for the past three to four years to get a victory against a newly promoted team at home. And they wiped the floor of us 3-0 because we weren't fit enough. We weren't aware of our kind of how to play football under this new formation. So it's been a settled a settled window. Like you mentioned, um, transfer window. The big victory is the fact that Wilfred Zaha has not left. Uh, I imagine you're feeling the same about Sessegnon. You know, it's almost who you've kept rather than who you've signed. Um, but signing Kuate, he will kind of shore up that midfield. And Max Meyer, who is, uh, you know, one of the hotter European prospects, has certainly reinforced the centre midfield. And we've still got about 24 hours to go. Uh, I'm on the understanding that we've still got, obviously, still got two loan spots. We're probably going to use one of those on a striker uh, and maybe on a defender. Um, and then a winger in permanently is is ideal, but if the window were to shut now, I think the fact that we have a very settled team with players that will only add to the quality, um, it's been a surprisingly good summer. Oh, that's good. Good to hear there, my friend. All right, let's go through your strengths and weaknesses for your club going into this upcoming match against Fulham. Let's get a fan's view of where you see Fulham will deal with a team that's very strong and, and maybe ways that they could take advantage of Crystal Palace if there are any Signs of weakness. Uh, I mean, this, the the starting eleven is obviously our strong point. Um, when we were all fit last year, um, that was a, a, a comfortably a top ten side. The issue, for, you know, the kind of season lookout look out is the kind of strength in depth. Um, we're, we're quite weak in the wing positions, uh, quite weak in terms of depth at centre half, and in fact, probably across the back line at the moment. Um, that you know, in the next couple of days, a couple of injuries could put a couple of key players out in training, and suddenly you're going from a team where we're expected to beat the majority of the bottom half to actually a team that could be could be scrapping again. In terms of the starting eleven, the strengths are definitely in in, in wide areas. Um, blessed with pace, uh, Van Arnholt and Zaha on the left, yep. and then the youngster Wan Bissaka, who came through the Palace Academy and has done really well in his um, his kind of Premier League debut last year, and Townsend on the right. Uh, and and they've they've got an excellent understanding between them 
uh, they almost kind of move and defend in uh, as one unit as such. I'd say that's probably where the strength lies. Um, weaknesses, Benteke's come off of a, a very poor season, scoring only three goals. Um, it looks a different man in pre-season, but you can, we will probably find that that poor form last year will be playing on his mind. Um, and if the, the Fulham centre-halves kind of get under his skin, you can see that he's likely to, you know, potentially snatch at shots uh, and not take his time and, and, and try and place them. We, we saw that kind of last year when he was when he was hunting for that goal. He was putting his body on the line, chasing loose balls, winning headers and everything. Um, but you paid £30 million for a striker, you expect him to find the back of the net more than, than three times. And I think that's going to play on his mind. Um, the beauty is if he scores a couple of early goals, he could easily go on and score 20 this season. Oh, I totally agree with that, Chris. The worry, you know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. worry is that obviously if, he, if that kind of bad form and whatever was kind of affecting him mentally last year is still lingering, you're carrying a £30 million striker uh, with very little... Um, strength and depth behind him um, so that's why hopefully bringing in another striker in loan if we bring him in on loan and never play him because he's made Benteke work hard and score 15-20 goals then you could argue that's probably signing of the season Okay very good uh, right back to you because Rob Warlow brought up the goalkeeper he said that some Crystal Palace fans will point at the goalkeeper would you agree with that as a potential weakness Yeah I mean Wayne Hennessy who is currently planned to be number one goalkeeper. Uh, is not a fan's favourite. Uh, dealt a bad hand to start with for the fact that he'd came, come in to replace, um, you know, Palace legend Julian Speroni. And to be fair, whoever was going to come in was always going to be under the microscope because of what Speroni has done for the club. And the fact that he's still there, um, does fantastic work for the community and charities now. Uh, there won't be a Palace fan around that has a bad word to say about Julian Speroni. So Hennessy's come in and obviously taken that. So therefore, every mistake he makes is under the microscope. Um, some of them are probably Palace fans being a bit fickle. Other than are, you know, goalkeeping flaws. Um, one of them is that he tends to bounce on his line when he's waiting for shots. And you'll find that actually he's a fantastic shot stopper in a one-on-one kind of close scenario because he's so big and he's got a big frame. But where he bounces on the on his line, if anyone has a pop shot and he's in the air at the time that's hit, he's then got to come back down, readjust his body and make a save. And he kind of find that split second delay means that he gets beaten from further out more than he does um, close up. The one saving grace of Palace fans is obviously we brought in Spanish keeper, um, Vincente Guetta um, from uh, Getafe last year, and he was rated one of the top keepers in La Liga. He actually started the last pre-season, pre-season friendly because uh, Hennessy was injured in the warm-up. So I'm wondering whether we stick with him. He looked pretty good, uh, by all accounts. Uh, fantastic shot stopper, commands his area well. Uh, but he's a fluent Spanish speaker, uh, and there's not a single player in the back line that speaks Spanish. So it's whether the communication issue comes to to floor by all accounts he's working hard on his English and everything um, but I think he's been held out as the number two keeper for now until he's really kind of nailed down his communication uh, and to push Wayne Hennessy as number one okay very good thank you for sharing that all right let's move on from a Crystal Palace fans perspective who are your key players against Fulham on Saturday 
the key player for me will be Wilfred Zaha. Uh, I mean, the man can create something out of nothing. Uh, and he's a he's a, a a winger that wants to play on the wing. We often see a lot of these inside forwards, the likes of Hazard, Sanchez, that are playing out on that left wing but love to cut inside. Uh, Zaha love, likes to beat defenders on the byline and like to to draw players out of position and create you know one on one opportunities. Uh, another one uh, in the centre midfield, uh, Luka Milivojevic, Serbian international, was at the World Cup with Serbia. Uh, fantastic tackler, reads the game well, distributor, and now Kabai's gone. You argue that he's probably the main man in that centre midfield. He's also our set piece taker, so he scored free kicks and penalties last year. Ended up being our, our top goal scorer, and has a, has a habit of having a pot shot from range and, and scoring. So those two are the key players for Palace. I'm glad that you brought him up because I watched uh, Serbia a great deal because of uh, our striker, Mitrovic, yeah. and he was very impressive. We're talking about the Crystal Palace player. So I understand why you said that. The minute you said that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. he was. Uh, I, I mean, thought he was very impressive. We, we originally signed him as kind of on these defensive enforcers, but actually his range of passing, he's got a very good left foot uh, yeah. and kind of under Allardyce, he became the penalty taker after Benteke and Kabai had missed a few. Um and then went on to free kicks and scored one in pre-season and a couple during the league last year. And then, you know, the, the kind of odd goal here and there that midfielder got, gets. But kind of playing defensive midfield and coming away with 12, 12 or 13 goals is a, an impressive return. Oh, very good. I'm glad that you uh, mentioned him. All right. Let's now get right to it. From your perspective as a Crystal Palace support, what does Crystal Palace need to do to win this match? Let's not talk about draws. How do they win? Um, they need to exploit the wide, air, wide areas and get Zaha as much of the ball uh, as possible. Um, hope that Benteke is firing. And then defensively, um, obviously, the likes of Seri, Sessignon going forward, new signing Scherler, Mitrovic, keep them quiet. Yep. Uh, try and quieten the home crowd. You know, return to the Premier League, opening day, London derby, hopefully the sun's shining. You'd expect a packed Craven Cottage with the fans. You know, it's one of those stadiums where the fans are on the pitch almost. It's that yep. close. Uh, Palace are going to need to get an early goal, kind of, you know, dictate the tempo and say, right, you know, we are the established Premier League team here. Welcome to the Premier League. And we're going to, you know, we're going to give you a welcome that Palace fans want. Okay, excellent. It's going to be difficult. <laughs> no, listen, this should be a very interesting match. And uh, when I was speaking to Rob, it's funny because uh, I, I think some have the idea that this could be just one goal between them, like a, like a one nil. I think this could be more, I, th- I think there could be more goals between both of these teams, uh, but, w- but we shall see in general. What are your thoughts on form heading into this match, Chris? Uh, I mean, I watched a bit of them last year in the championship and it, they, you know, they were probably the best team to watch aesthetically in the championship last year. Um, I think they'll do well if the passing and you know that aggressive style of play that Ikanovic uh, has implemented can be translated into the Premier League. Then, once kind of come January, uh, they've got the points on the board. There's no, there's nothing stopping them pushing further up the table, um, like the likes of Newcastle did last year, where they had a late season run. Um, it's just how well that translates across because I, I personally don't see, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the style of football changing. Um, 
No, I don't see. I, 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 and the, the the players that you've signed, you know, along with the ones that you've kept, like the likes of Kearney, Seri's very good on the ball. Scherler's an accomplished forward. Mitrovic, obviously, got goals for you in the championship and has been brought brought back because he understands the style and the systems that you want to play. But there's not going to be, although you've signed a lot of players, some of them have been there before. So I can't imagine the system and the style changing much. It's it's how well that translates into the Premier League because. It is that big step up, step up, and teams I have done agree. it. Teams have done it, and teams have thrived. Um, you know, Huddersfield came up, and, and obviously, it's a completely different style of play to what Fulham are playing. But they came up, they kept on playing it, and you know, they stayed up comfortably in the end. Um, yeah. It's just how well that translates across, and, and I hope they do well. Um, it's one of the you know the nice London clubs. Uh, obviously, we'd both prefer the likes of Chelsea or someone to go down instead. So, <laughs> I'm there uh, with you. <laughs> Very good there, Chris. And uh, I don't expect the style play to change. In fact, every one of these players, I think, was brought in specifically to play within the style, in- including the goalkeeper. I, you know, again, I think the goalkeeper plays into the style of the way that Jokanovic wants to play. He wants a certain type of goalkeeper, a certain type of defender, obviously yeah. in the midfield and striker up front. He's looking for a certain type of player that can play this possession style of football. And he's added to what he already has. So I am hopeful. And I'm glad that you brought up making the jump up from the Premier League. This is going to be the test. Will he have to adjust at some point when they don't have the ball? That's going to be the test. When he plays teams that they're not used to having the ball all the time because Fulham last season had the ball all the time, that will be the telltale for me. Can they adjust? Can they then beat teams on the counter when they're going to have to play that way? They're going to be forced to. So – that, to me, is the big test when it comes to Fulham. It's not going to be against the opponents. I think they're still going to be able to play the majority of the time their possession-based football, but it's going to be when other teams try to take it away from them, how are they going to adjust? Yeah, how do they right. cope with someone dominating them? Exactly, exactly. That, to me, you know, I look at a team like Spurs that were playing very quickly in the second match, and uh, Spurs, a few years ago, really gave uh, Fulham a lesson. So have they learned? Has Slavisa learned how to play against a team like that when you're not going to have the ball? All right, my friend, let's uh, let's get right to this. I'm going to put you in the shoes of Slavisa Jokanovic. I did this all last year. Most people don't like doing it, so I'm just <laughs> asking you, please do it. If you were Slavisa, what would be your strategy against Crystal Palace? What would you do to beat your team? Uh, I'd st- try and stifle the midfield to stop them getting the ball wide. Uh, We've lost Goodbye, who arguably was our best centre midfield play playmaker in terms of, you know, he'd take the ball on the half turn from the defence and spray it and get the ball wide. If you can stop the supply to the likes of Zaha and Townsend and force them to drop deeper to try and collect the ball, then automatically you've got players in front of them where you haven't got to chase them uh, and you've got more chance of, of disposing them. Um, and keep the pressure on. I mean, our fullbacks are very good going forward, but I'd question them going or defending. Uh, Wan-Bissaka is uh, still an unknown entity. He's performed very well, and I won't take anything away from him. He's, you know, he made his Premier League debuts or against um, Tottenham Hotspur and has played against uh, the likes of Liverpool, played against the likes of Man United in his first seven games and, and, and done very well. But now is going to be the first full season um, 
where he's going to have to consistently keep up. So actually, we've got Sessegnon on the on the left, who as well is a very highly touted uh, prospect uh, and done wonders in the championship. Um, if you target those those wide areas, as I imagine Palace will try to do to you, it will be a kind of a, a match-up on who kind of gets uh, the best out of that. But yeah, stifle the midfield and try and target the full-backs and hopefully you'll get some joy. Hopefully okay, you won't. Excellent. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's end with your prediction for this match. What are you predicting on Saturday? Uh, I agree there with goals. Uh, my heart says 2-1 Palace, but I'm going to go probably for a 2 all draw. Okay, just so you know, you're in good company. That's what Rob Wallow predicted as well. <laughs> oh, well, great minds think alike. That's right. Listen, Chris, thank you so much for joining me. This is a, a feature that we're going to be doing each and every week before the upcoming fall match. I did this a great deal last season. It was a huge success. And you are the first to do it in the Premier League as fall oh, have returned now. So thank you for uh, joining me today. Please, before you go, tell everyone about the five-year plan fanzine. Please tell everyone about it so that, and tell everyone how they can follow you on Twitter. I want them to follow you on Twitter as well. Uh, so the five-year plan Pat fanzine was actually, you know, a group of A-level friends that got together, try or they, you know, shared a, a common love about Crystal Palace and tried to do something about it back when we were a lowly championship side. And it, it's massively evolved. Uh, I mean, I got involved in the past couple of years because I've been friends with them. Uh, run kind of uh, termly fanzines that you can buy outside the ground, podcasts, uh, exclusive interviews, do prizes as well. Um, so you can follow them uh, at FYP fanzine on Twitter. Um, give them a follow, uh, even if you aren't a, uh, a Palace fan, because it's, uh, it's good to follow. Um, we've got some excellent people that work for them that have got an outstanding football knowledge and some good contacts inside the game as well. Uh, and I'm just uh, lucky to be a part of it. Okay, excellent. And uh, listen, I highly recommend also listening to the podcast. I listened to the podcast. It was uh, truly excellent. I would highly recommend listening to their podcast. I listened to it on Apple Podcasts. Check it out. They do an excellent job, but I wanted to also have Chris talk about the fanzine because that's where the hub is. That's where everything is. Definitely check them out if you're interested. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. For my guest, Chris Windsor, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.